This is the Music Therapy Chronicles podcast interview with the team from the Creative Dementia Collective. And also emphasis on the custom, right? Because like I said earlier, no, no, um, you know, two people with dementia are the same. Everyone is unique. So therefore, each and every one of our engagement plans are unique. So we, we, um, you know, when we have a... um, a new client come to us or a new family come to us, we, um, you know, we really go through a a thorough process of getting to know them and finding out, um, you know, what their life story is, you know, what their goals are, you know, collectively, individually, um, and to see how we could each support them with, um, you know, either art therapy, music therapy, legacy work, dementia education, community building, self-care, um, and we will design, um, you know, a, a, an engagement plan. You're listening to the Music Therapy Chronicles, a podcast about music therapy from a variety of perspectives. Our ambition is to inspire and connect listeners through meaningful conversations, just like a music therapy conference you can listen to anywhere. My name is Trisha Coyote, and I am a board-certified music therapist from the New England region. If you like what you hear, join our group on Facebook and share your own insights and thoughts about the episodes. You can also connect with us on social media and online at Music Therapy Chronicles. Welcome back to the Music Therapy Chronicles. I hope you're having a great week and uh, have been eagerly anticipating part two of my conversation with Kaylee, JL, and Erin from the Creative Dementia Collective. As I said last week, uh, this part of our conversation, we dive into censorship and sex. <laughs> so how we are supporting the whole human uh, when working with people with dementia and yeah, this is just just a very wholesome conversation um, on topics that can feel controversial or icky or taboo, and it was refreshing to be able to talk about these things in a way that was supportive and therapeutic and um, empowering. So I hope you enjoy this conversation. Uh, if you're looking for a way to support the show, the best way to do that is to subscribe and leave a rating and review. That really helps the show be uh, more visible so that people can find this type of content. I'm sure that this episode will get some conversation going, so jump in our Facebook group, um, Music Therapy Chronicles on Facebook, and join our group, and also follow us on social media, or on Instagram, (laughs) at Music Therapy Chronicles. All right, let's get into part two of this three-part series with the Creative Dementia Collective. I don't ever think we took time to like define what the creative dementia collective is so the listeners might like kind of be get an idea but can I like is there can we paint a picture or is it one of these ideas that's like it's so broad um yeah so like tell us like what what it is you guys are kind of doing day to day um because obviously you have um 
an awesome core to what you're doing, like awesome core principles and you, you want to help people and you're so pure in that intention. So how, how does, how does that look? Aaron, do you want to, do you want to talk? Oh, sure. Yeah. Sure. Um, so, so as you've gathered by now, we each have our kind of, um, uh, specific modalities and the way we blended them all together, um, is, um, to create customized engagement plans for the folks that we work with. So, um, can I put a pin in that? So is that instead of treatment plan, customized engagement plan? Exactly. Thank you for pointing out the very intentional language. Thank you for teaching me so much (laughs) today. Um, you know, and also emphasis on the custom, right? Because like I said earlier, no, no, um, you know, two people with dementia are the same. Everyone is unique. So therefore, each and every one of our engagement plans are unique. Mm. So we, we um, you know, when we have a, um, a new client come to us or a new family come to us, we, um, you know, we really go through a, a thorough process of getting to know them and finding out. Um, you know, what their life story is, you know, what their goals are, you know, collectively, individually, um, and to see how we could each support them with, um, you know, either art therapy, music therapy, legacy work, dementia education, community building, self-care. And we will design, um, you know, an engagement plan that we will, you know, Gosh, what was our last one? I think 12, 12 sessions, 12 sessions with a really, really good medley, you know, of the expressive therapies and the educational bit and working directly with, um, you know, the client and then working directly with their community and their spouse mm-hmm. so that we're kind of approaching this, um, this care community, everyone who's being touched by, by this one person's dementia from a different angle. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we'll, we'll work with them for, um, 12 sessions and, um, anyone feel free to jump in, but yeah, one more, I mean, if, if it's or if more, it's yeah, something they want to integrate, um, then that's something we love to do. And I, and I think it's so important because, you know, we can do music therapy or art therapy or, or, or education, um, and with with the person living with dementia but if we're not reaching out to their support community the people who care for them and the people who love them and explaining Mm. why it is we're doing what we are doing and why it is their loved one is reacting in this way or that way or what it means if they uh, say this or do that then leave them then we haven't you know we we made an impact for that time in a bubble but haven't given the tools needed to um, sustain a positive approach to care, like to yeah. sustain um, understanding how to use tools of music and art and nonverbal communication to connect with their loved one as they continue to progress mm-hmm. um, and to be yeah. flexible and change with them. And also to be attending to your own needs and understanding like I'm getting really close to burnout. I need to ask for help or uh, I was given these tools for self-care. I'm going to lean on them now. Yeah. 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 Um, And I, I think, I think a population that really presented itself to us, especially over this last year um, was at at home care partners, people who like all of a sudden 
right? Found themselves in the position of being, um, you know, caring for mom or caring for dad at home, you know, whether, you know, all sorts of circumstances led to that. But, um, you know, no, people are present to their burnout right now and present to their need for help. Um, and, and for people who, you know, also have the goal of remaining in home, um, you know, it's going to take a, a lot of different kinds of support. So we try to approach it with, you know, a good balance of like the emotional practical skills or excuse, educational practical skills based support, and then the uh, equally important emotional support. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. And, you know, we also um, are growing, we're expanding what we do. And, mm. um, you know, we boldly beautifully, bravely, naively, <laughs> wonderfully started a business in the middle of a pandemic because mm. why mm-hmm. not, right? Um, you know. <laughs> I, I did the same thing. Um, I get it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I bet a bunch of people listening are like nodding their heads like, yes. yes. Oh, yeah. so innocent just felt. Um, it's adorable. Um, but yeah, so, you know, and, and we also, we love um, public speaking, we love educating, we love talking to people and sharing this information, um, you know, getting people kind of on board with having more conversations about dementia. Mm-hmm. It's a big kind of cornerstone of our destigmatization is like, let's talk about it as much as we can so that people aren't afraid to say the word dementia, you know, um, and yeah, we we're excited for kind of our new projects. I'll give a, I'll give a really kind of funny recent example. So, you know, like I said, we're, we're millennials. Um, we're not the most tech savvy millennials. Like we really set a goal for ourselves this year. We're like, all right, guys, we really like got to get around Instagram. Like we got to figure out this whole Instagram thing. Um, you know, like this is relevant in, in marketing nowadays. We got to figure it out. So we're like, okay, we're going to learn how to do reels. So we've started, (laughs) so we've started doing reels and you know, most, like most of the time, you know, people talking in our industry, you know, they're older generations. It's often, you know, can feel really clinical mm-hmm. and sometimes it can feel like really hush hush and private. And we're like, nope, we're going to get on Instagram and I'm going to, you know, do this funny, weird reel about sundowning. And so I, so I created a, um, gosh, what do we call her? Like an alter ego? <laughs> Sure, I created an alter ego. Her name is Delphine. Um, nod to my two grandmothers, Dolores and Frida. That's Frida with a PH. Um, so Delphine um, is an older woman. She's living with dementia and she is our um, dementia embodied, right? To be able to talk about and give a voice to um, and use a little bit of humor. Mm-hmm to address something that's super heavy and scary for people. So, you know, we've, we've been putting out, you know, and Kaylee has reels that she's doing JLs, like crushing it. Um, and we found that like, it's, it's a, it's a new platform that we didn't know people wanted to use and wanted to talk about. And then like, people are jumping on, like, how dare you joke about this? And like, 20 people jump on they're like no you don't understand i've been a care partner for so long i've worked in memory care like you have to have a sense of humor if you don't you're gonna get sick like all these people and giving people a platform to be able to talk about you know their you know what helps them what supports them as a care partner 
um, just from this, you know, little six second reel on Instagram. I was like, oh, that's kind of yeah. cool. So we're branching out. We're trying and new I, things. I, what I love about that example, and, and this also kind of ties into what JL was just saying as well, is I think the, the reel that Aaron is describing is one of our by far the most popular reel um, that we've put out there. Um, and I think the reason it, it got so many views and likes is because people resonate mm. with that. People see themselves in that. People see uh, their experience reflected back to them. Mm -hmm. and, and dementia is such an isolating mm. disease. Mm. And this pandemic has been such an isolating experience on top of it. So we have layers and layers of disconnection and isolation and at the core of who we are and what we do, be it making funny reels that, uh, that are reaching people all over the place, be it doing our actual work and, and, and working uh, with care partners and with people living with dementia, it's about making those connections. It's about bridging those gaps and screaming from the rooftops, you're not alone, your experience is not singular, and even though people are have been scared to talk about it, there are so many people that have walked this path. Mm. There are so many people that understand what you're going through. And and we're not doing ourselves any favors by just being silent about yeah. it. Let's start talking about mm -hmm. it. Whether it's making silly internet reels <laughs> or having like concrete code treatment plans or or really partnering with care partners on that journey, all the different ways we do that, it's about bridging those gaps. It's about making those connections and and doing what we can to ease that isolation, mm. which now more than ever is just massive. I'm super grateful on that note for the for the virtual voice that this pandemic's given us, right? Like we I don't know that it would have occurred to us to be like, let's, you know, focus on our virtual presence and let's hop on and let's do a bunch of webinars and let's, you know, speak on virtual panels and things like that. Um, but we've found that they've, that's been the most valuable to, you know, people who've heard us and come to us and been like, I heard what you said. I saw myself in that and I'm here mm -hmm. for it. So, um, you know, that's one of those kind of hidden gifts from this last year. Yeah. I think, you know, the, the piece that that Aaron and Kaylee were talking about of you know that it resonates so deeply because it's so relatable um right when we kind of make these you know six second bits of comedy or whatever um and that goes back to you know what I was kind of talking about in the beginning is this super deep human need for connection mm -hmm. and that you know I I've been telling my friends for a couple of years now if I go back to school and get my doctorate eventually it will not be in art therapy it will be in the study of memetics of memes um <laughs> you you laugh heartily and you think i'm no. joking but here's why there I'm needs not. to be research in that <laughs> it needs to happen yes it's there um, there is i have this super deep wonderful fascination with memes in that there is it is brilliant how a single image that has this context behind it that is this kind of agreed upon thing right becomes a universal mm. symbol of an experience yes. right like you can see uh you know the picture of um i don't know whatever the you know the little girl with the burning house behind her and she's kind of making the like evil grin smile right like we have all had that moment where like 
something kind of wild's happening and you're just like, <laughs> all right, you know, like we, we can all connect to this through this one image, right? And I think that especially in these fields where the disease itself or the, the circumstance itself is hyper isolating by nature, mm. um, there's a lot of beauty and power in representing things to people in a way that immediately they can resonate of like, oh, I know exactly what that feels yeah. like. Um, and there's, you know, we, we kind of laugh about memes and, you know, the older generations don't get it and whatever, but there is something incredibly powerful that globally we can take one image or one clip of sound or one circumstance and everybody can relate to that experience yeah. all at once in an instant. Yeah. Um, that's so powerful. It's so powerful. Have any of you seen the cartoon? And it's a millennial in elder years and in a wheelchair with a, a care partner. And then there's another person with a dog. And the millennial in the wheelchair is like, Doge, so cute, must touch. And and the care partner is like, no one ever knows what she's saying. Don't worry about it. And of course, we're like, we know what she's saying. She wants to pet the dog. Like, how did you not get that? Oh, my God. I saw a version where it's the same it's the same meme. That's what's so fun about it is you can take the same picture and put multiple like yeah. text on it and and kind of apply it to different ways, but I saw the same meme and it was the older lady saying, "I remember when you got Netflix in the mail." And they're yep. like, "Okay." Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking earlier when you were talking about ISO, like ISO principal Kaylee and like playlists and like god, what's our playlist going to oh be like? Yeah. It was like there'll be a lot of a lot of more set for me. That's <laughs> yeah. Some no, but yeah. Yeah. Mine will be like lots of like Jaw Rule, um, yeah. 90s, 2000s, R&B, you know, mm -hmm. like letting, you know, make your playlist now, people. Make your yeah. dementia playlist right now. <laughs> be that person who shows up to your co-treatment meeting to be like, here's my binder of all of my favorite <laughs> tunes, genera genera generationally curated. Be that person. That's a very Leslie Nope move. For oh, yeah. Oh, totally. Totally. Those music therapy groups for millennials uh, in care care communities are going to be lit. <laughs> yeah. Yo. Yeah. That's well, actually a conversation I had with my husband when we were talking about becoming uh, my dad's guardian is a lot of people have the misconception that like music therapy is like gentle mm. classical guitar and harp music <laughs> and, you know, spa music. And, um, and my dad is rock and roll to the core my dad loves led zeppelin anytime he picks up a guitar he will start playing stairway to heaven every single time without fail and i will listen to it 30 times a day i do not care um and actually our new client really loves immigrant song which i'm excited for another zeppelin song and chris was like well you know what if he wants to listen to like songs with explicit lyrics or they're inappropriate or this or that and I had to, like, again, kind of bridge that gap and have that conversation of, like, it's client-preferred music. There's no wrong mm. music. I've done, I mean, hip-hop in, in juvie settings. I've done heavy metal. Like, it doesn't, it, whatever lights your fire is great. And then also, there's that piece of um, it's inappropriate. Mm. And I hate when we apply that in mm -mm. this setting because mm -mm. we're working yeah, with grown-ups. That's exactly what I was oh. thinking. 
will have their own families and live their own lives. They have probably done drugs or heard about drugs. They have cursed up a fucking storm. They have had sex and a lot of them, a lot of it. They have like 12 yeah. children. Yeah. It's okay to talk about sex and drugs. It's okay if a song has curse words in it. It's not our job to censor that experience and to infantilize mm. them and treat yeah. them like children. Like they are grown ass adults. And mm -hmm. if they're feeling feeling themselves and feeling hypersexual, like great. Um, if they're if they're cursing, great. I remember Aaron told me about a like a kind of a I, I don't want to speak for you. In the community where you once were, you had like kind of a a a ladies uh, feel yourself type of night, like a that I did. Yes. <laughs> yes. You know how sometimes we host those parties to find appropriate tools and things like that to enjoy yourselves. Yeah. So older adults, they want mm -hmm. that too. Mm -hmm. And if it's part of our job to normalize their sexuality yes. and make it, anyone seen Grace and Frankie? I love right? that show. Like, like where they're like, okay, we're going to actually invent a dildo for, you know, that works for our hands and our arthritis and our anatomy, you know? And I'm like mm -hmm. over here, like dancing in my living room, like, yes, let's normalize sexuality and older adults. Um, yes. Yeah, management had a real fun time with that, but I was like, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. You. That's they can why I'm not. Them. Hence why I'm not there. But um, but no, I mean to you know on a on a just educational moment pause here. There, being able to have you know music or conversations with adult content, you know things like use profanity, have you know sexual talk, naughty talk, like that's actually a part of our brain that sticks with mm -hmm. us. You know, we might lose our other um, language functions. We might use our other vocabulary or speech comprehension, but the part of the brain that has, that stores all that, like the, the naughty talk, the slurs, you know, that's why people, you know, a lot of that, like those racial slurs also are preserved mm -hmm. in that side of the brain, which can be really confronting for care partners to have to deal with. But like, if we give people, an opportunity to normalize cursing and normalize, you know, sex talk and things like that and give them an outlet for it. Again, it's like meeting them there where they're at, not shaming them for that. Cause Hey, that's just how their brains click in these days. Yeah. So, um, so again, you know, sometimes I, <laughs> not everybody's as, as, um, comfortable with that particular mm -hmm. care approach, but I'm like, Hey, try it on, you know, try it on as a kindness. Yeah. Um, that that you're giving them you know you're, you're normalizing what's going on for them i'm going brain. back to the yeah. the redirect the anxious energy out of the body <laughs> yeah. like what a great way yeah. to take yes. anxious energy out yeah. of the body hundred percent approaching care in that way that is a form of activism mm -hmm. that's pushing back against mm -hmm. ageism right yep. that we our culture completely desexualizes completely strips people later in life of their access to pleasure in so many ways and if you are you know if your brain is operating in a way of you know kind of more in the realm of basic needs right of um you know when we need comfort we need touch we need food we need water um right we need uh, sensory 
uh, connection, especially as our vision declines, as our hearing declines, um, having physical pleasure is a really important part of just our nervous system stimulation. And mm -hmm. when we're so hung up on our like puritanical old people can't be sexy vibe, like, no, yeah. that's doing mm -hmm. harm actually, because we're denying people access to a part of their humanity. Um, and that's not fair, right? And so we need to, um, and I say we, because I think, you know, we all have internalized elements of this of like, we need to work on our own internalized stigma of what it means for like an old person to want to fuck um and push back on our all of the squicks that like we feel about that because of our own yeah. um preconceptions and like let them guide what they need by telling us or showing us and find ways to support them like our job is to be the the snowplow that gets the obstacles out of the way that are unsafe or you know non-consensual or whatever right and find a way for them to get their needs met um that is you know healthy yeah. safe sane consensual right can i, I sorry i've got can a I good share? example but go for it yeah Girl, same. Um, so this is uh, in a different population, but I think is a very uh, helpful example, especially uh, circling into um, keeping it safe, mm -hmm. keeping it appropriate, mm -hmm. keeping it consensual, right? So sometimes those boundaries um, of when and where this is okay can get a little bit blurry, but I'll give an example of working um, with an, a teenager with autism who was discovering his sexuality and, um, and masturbating, right? And the conversation and the, and the way that we, we approached that was not, that's not okay, you're dirty, you're not allowed. Because obviously, like, especially with teenage boys, if they don't do it, it'll happen when they're sleeping, right? It's going to happen mm. some way. And he was expressing himself, and that is perfectly healthy and natural. What we did was give him safe boundaries. This is something that you do in the privacy of your bedroom. This is something that you do not do in front of others. This is something you're not allowed to walk out afterward without re-putting your clothes back on. That's not okay. Other people don't want to see you naked. That's privacy. Your privates are private, right? So it's putting in those structures of when and where is this safe and appropriate for this person to express it, but not telling them you're, you're gross, you're dirty, but here are the boundaries of, of where this is safe and okay. And behind those closed doors, you go for it. Good for mm -hmm. you. Like mm -hmm. I don't come out naked, but like, let's close that door when you're doing that. Thank you so much. <laughs> just leave your life alert on just in case though. <laughs> Well, and, you know, jumping to the other and the other spectrum of life, right? Like people say that, you know, if you, um, as an older adult, you can go through like a second or I don't even think it's your second puberty at that point. Was it like your third? <laughs> <laughs> but like awake, sexual awakening, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I had a, I had a, a woman um, who was just like really rediscovering her sexuality and she was masturbating with tools that were just like really harmful and like, we're going to hurt her, you know, like hairbrushes and things like that. And, um, you know, it was a really, it was a big opportunity for us, you know, as her care team to talk about it. And there were definitely those who were like, we just need to remove anything and everything that could possibly use like that. We just need to, you know, 
eliminate, use subtraction, use subtraction. And I'm like, well, or, you know, this person who has, you know, limited safety awareness and impulse control and a wicked, you know, sexuality, or we could practice substitution and get them things that are appropriate to use. So that's kind of how we flipped that conversation and got her like, like safe tools to use so that she could enjoy herself safely. And that was the, you know, us being the snowplow in that, as JL put it, right? Like, we're going to take out of the way anything that's going to do harm. And we're going to substitute it with things that are going to meet the need. Um, And then privately, we're going to get over all of our (laughs) weirdness about it, because that's not her problem. That's our problem. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so this conversation has taken a really interesting I'm for it. So we talked about masturbation with older adults living with dementia for a good 15 That's minutes. Great. Well, I'm no. glad we also, we circled back. That's like, you know, how, how are we presenting it? That is um, an appropriate consensual way. It's not just like, Hey, we're going to yeah. start talking about sex with all our clients. And we're like, mm-hmm. you know, like there, there should be yeah. a boundary there. That's like, um, you know, what, can, what can we provide or what can we support and I, I'm assuming mm-hmm. there's going to be some transference and counter-transference and like having the boundaries there to work around mm-hmm. that. And, mm-hmm. you know, again, that goes with doing our own work first. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm glad that we did that. It wasn't just like, hey, we brought up this topic. It's important. But we also talked about like some concrete, you know, how do we how do we make this happen? Right. And the more yeah. our professions talk about it, the more we can do it and feel like we're doing it. I'm going to say in quotes, the right way or doing it in, you know, I don't even want to say an evidence-based way, but we're not the only ones out there doing it and <laughs> figuring it out all yeah. on like our a own. Like a helpful way, maybe? Yeah. Helpful yeah, way. Yeah, and that helpful. we're not the we're not the ones as the clinicians being like, let's talk about yeah. sex life. But also if our clients bring it up, we're not like, mm, gross, Ooh. never mind. Like, <laughs> we'll talk about every other part of your humanity except for I really hope you enjoyed this conversation and it was thought provoking for you. Like I said before, it was refreshing to be able to touch on these topics in a way that felt wholesome and therapeutic and um, acknowledged the importance of censorship. And I, I keep wanting to say sex education, but that's not <laughs> not what I'm saying here, but um, supporting the whole person and, and their pleasure desires and um I think it was Erin mentioned uh, Grace and Frankie over on Netflix. So if you haven't checked out that show, please check it out. Uh, it'll be linked in the show notes. But that's a great example of the importance of these topics. Please take a moment to leave us a rating and review if you haven't already. That's a great way to support the show. Follow us online at Music Therapy Chronicles as well as on social media. Consider becoming a patron over on patreon.com slash music therapy chronicles. Patrons have the exclusive opportunity to ask uh, questions of the guests. So when I schedule an interview, I write on Patreon who's coming on the show and what we're talking about. And if you have a question on that topic, this is your opportunity to ask all your questions to that guest. You can run the interview if you want. I'll let (laughs) you. And if you or someone you know is interested in being on the show, please let me know by sending an email to hello at musictherapychronicles.com. 
Uh, I have one more announcement before we wrap up this episode with our quote. Um, In an effort to give myself some space uh, to rest and restore, I have decided to take the month of August off. So that doesn't mean there won't be any content for the month of August. I will still be putting out an episode each week, but I will be re-releasing four episodes in the month of August. Um, As you know, we're well over 100 episodes now, so there's lots to choose from, and I look forward to bringing back some ones that maybe people who are new to the show missed, and uh, even if you listen to them, listen to them again. You know, there's always something more to learn, so I hope that you're looking forward to that, and um, yeah, keep in mind that since these are re-released episodes, uh, some of whatever I say in the intro and outro might be um, not current, (laughs) you know, this episode might be from two years ago, who knows? So we'll see. Um, yeah, thank you for supporting the show each week. Um, I'll probably still be active on social media during the month of August, but that's what you can expect moving forward. Stay tuned for part three of this conversation next week, where we talk about self-care. It's a good one. You don't want to miss it. And, uh, we'll leave you with this quote. Thank your body for being so smart. Mm -hmm.